And now it's time for Mind Body Health with your host, Dr. Marvin Trotter. Good morning, Eddie. Um, we're going to have a show that I think everybody can benefit from um, because uh, God knows all of us uh, have our issues. But we're going to start out with uh, um, introducing uh, Charlie Seltzer and Susan Era. And I'm going to ask them both how they got to Mendocino County. And we're going to start on a show about healthier living. Okay, Charlie. Um, Marvin, thank you so much for inviting Susan and me onto your show today. Um, I got to Mendocino County in, oh, wow, 1986 or 7, I think. Um, I had been living in San Francisco. My partner had AIDS. My two music partners had AIDS. They both died along with about half of my friends. I think I was so numb from the loss that I couldn't even really feel it. And I had two friends who lived in Mendocino County, and they said, why don't you come up here and just get away for a weekend? Well, I got away for four weekends in a row, and I just fell in love with the place and basically moved here. 40 years. I never left. Yeah. And we used to work at public health for a long time together. Um, so, Susan... Yes. How did you get to Mendocino County? Well, I got to Mendocino County in 1981. I remember it well. Um, my husband and I moved up here from struggling, trying to uh, figure out how to live in Marin County and afford the cost of living. And fortunately, he got a job uh, with mental health up here. And um, we brought our two kids and then proceeded to have a couple more. And uh, we've been here ever since then. And uh, I've been very grateful to have been able to work in the human services field up here uh, in Mendocino County. I'm retired now, but I did that for uh, about 26, 28 years. Um, so glad to be here today. Charlie, I'm glad you made the decision to come on up. Thank you. <laughs> well, so do I. The, both of you have been doing this program for eight years and it's based, um, I thought it was interesting that it came out of Canada originally, but Stanford has done a lot of the work on it. But why don't you introduce the program so people will understand what we're going to be talking about today. Great, great. I'm going to give a little background, and then I know Charlie um, will be up, and he'll tell you a little bit more about um, some of our content or curriculum or whatever. But, um, yeah, originally there are two programs. One is chronic healthier living with chronic health conditions and there's a workshop for that and then a sister program was developed uh in canada in conjunction with stanford um and that is healthier living with chronic pain and that's the workshop we're offering and that is starting on uh, we'll tell you more about it but it starts on february 12th excuse me second february 2nd coming right up we're doing it on zoom and um it'll be um from 1 to 3.30, and we'll remind you again about that. We hope you'll join us. There are sister programs. There's a little bit of overlap, but uh, we're real excited to offer the Healthier Living with Chronic Pain again. Um, and it is a research-based program. There's been a lot of um, uh, history to it with thousands of people participating in 25 different countries uh, all over the United States. This is in numerous languages. So we're part of something bigger uh, than just uh, right here in Mendocino County. Um, and in order for us to lead the workshop, which we've been doing um, 
this is our 10th year, actually. Charlie oh. and I did the math. Wow, I wow. know. And um, in order to lead the workshops, we have to be certified trainers by Stanford. So we went through the training and we've been certified to lead both of those workshops. And we're uh, very pleased about that. The workshops are um, about six, they are six weeks, six sessions over a six week period, once a week for two and a half hours. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's, you know, two and a half. But it gives us time to get through um, all the curriculum that Stanford and partners have put together. And we follow that curriculum. Um, that is part of our contract uh, with public health. Mendocino County Public Health funds this program, and we thank them. Ann Mulgard is the director. Um, we also, um, the program is coordinated through the Community Wellness Division, and we thank Bobby Ducharme for all of his help and support. Um, so um, let's see, we are doing it. The, the workshop is designed to be in-person, face-to-face. And when COVID hit, um, we, Charlie and I, were just loving doing these workshops. We both get so much out of doing them personally, leading them. And so we did get permission to do it by Zoom. And um, what's interesting is that we've gotten a lot of positive feedback because people can participate from their own homes. They don't have to drive. They don't have to travel. We've had people participating from nursing home beds, um, people who are homebound and uh, participating by Zoom. And so we're so grateful for having that opportunity. Um, and then, you know, who's eligible? Who should participate in this? This is, again, healthier living with chronic pain. Chronic pain, we mean something that's a little bit persistent. Maybe you've had it, you've been struggling with it, or you've been dealing with it for around three months, six months. Um, so we would ask that people who participate have some experience with chronic pain that they're in their lives. And um, other, otherwise, they, they can have their caregivers per, uh, participate. The workshop is designed to include caregivers, and we encourage them. Sometimes we've had participants come with their caregiver, but caregivers can participate on their own as well as people who have chronic health conditions and chronic pain. A um, couple of other quick points, and then I'm going to turn it over to Charlie. Um, there is a book that goes with the workshop. It is called Living a Healthy Life with Chronic Pain. And uh, catchy, very catchy title. <laughs> but it is packed full of wonderful information, a lot of resources, at the end of each chapter, they list other materials that can be of help. Um, and that book is available to you through us, or you could purchase your own, but we do have them available. And lastly, um, I just wanted to share a little bit about what we've heard from participants. Um, you know, uh, in the research and um, uh, across what we're hearing from the, the founders is and the research is that participants who... Um, who do the six-week course, they report more vitality, more energy in their life, less pain, uh, less dependence on others, improved mental health, and they feel that they can be more involved in the everyday activities of their life. And um, what that brings is greater satisfaction in their life. And I have personally had that experience by doing this workshop. So without further ado, Charlie, maybe you can share a little bit more about what it is. 
Yeah, I will. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'll tell you one thing we don't ask people. What's your diagnosis? So we don't ask people sort of what's the name of the condition you have. People are free to tell us if they want, but it's not a requirement. And here's why not. Because we have found, and the research has borne this out, that regardless of the diagnosis you have, the way we have to, the, the problems we have with chronic pain, either as the person with the pain or, the, or as the person who provides care, are remarkably similar regardless of your diagnosis. So the tools that we teach people how to deal with pain can be um, applicable to almost anybody with any kind of chronic pain diagnosis. So the issues that show up for people, and um, the thing that I always find amazing is that these are the issues that show up for everybody regardless of diagnosis. They're just a little harder to deal with when you have chronic pain. Um, things like, so these are the, the main symptoms that people with chronic pain um, tell us about. They don't sleep as, they don't sleep well. They don't sleep as well as they'd like. They don't stay asleep for as long as they like. They may have trouble getting back to sleep when they wake up during the night. Um, often they have tense muscles or restricted movement, um, difficult emotions to deal with. Um, life is hard enough without chronic pain. With chronic pain, it can be much harder. So dealing with the stress and anxiety of a pain diagnosis, sometimes the depression that comes with the diagnosis or the experience of pain, um, these sort of the Oh, we're having difficulty with the connections. ...that go through our heads about how will I ever meet my own needs, how will I have my emails, just difficult emotions for people. Um, so we tools are um, designed to how to exercise safely, how to um, pace their activities during the day and plan them so that they don't wind up with one day with, you know, 12 things to do and then three things with nothing to do. How to spread the work around and give yourself breaks during the day. Um, we discuss breathing, um, being mindful of your body, how to deal with difficult emotions. Um, we talk about using your mind to address um, the issues that come up. You know, one of the things that we have noticed over and over again is if you're feeling stress and anxiety and you wake up in pain and you tell yourself, oh my God, it's going to be such a terrible day. I'm not going to be able to do anything. Well, then most likely you have a much better chance of having a terrible day because you woke up saying this to yourself. So being mindful of our thoughts and how to um, think more positively uh, there's there's almost always something positive going on in people's lives that we can be grateful for in spite of having a diagnosis of chronic pain. We um, talk about how to get a good night's sleep, how to communicate with um, your loved ones and your healthcare provider. Um, we talk a bit about how to manage medications. Sometimes people take, you know, 
five, ten different kinds of meds? And, uh, you know, how do you, uh, most people are pretty good about taking their meds when they're home, but what do you do when you travel? That can be a, a tricky thing. People often forget their meds, they forget to take them, they're out of their routines. So we talk about tools to help people remember to take <clears throat> medications, and we talk about healthy eating. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd like you to um, make a little duo here. Um, since sleep is an issue for me, I'd love to hear you all ah. to go through a little talk about sleep. I think everybody that I see in the clinic talks about sleep or pain. Absolutely. It's a huge issue. And in fact, that is one of the issues I'm dealing with right now. I'm a person who um, I can uh, share, I feel comfortable sharing that I have arthritis and I have osteoporosis and I have uh, pain at night. And so sleep is definitely an issue for me as well, Marvin. Um, and, you know, Charlie just went through the tools in the toolbox but um, often what accompanies that for me is the anxiety that Charlie just mentioned. I find myself, my mind is very active. I lay down at night. I'm thinking about COVID. I'm thinking about my pain and what kind of exercise I'm going to do tomorrow um, that can help relieve that, that is safe for me to do. I'm thinking about a lot of things. And it, it's very difficult sometimes for me to sleep as well. So, um you know, I think what we focus on, and Charlie, feel free to jump in, is is really the tools in the toolbox in particular around this issue are using breathing, using our mind in terms of relaxation, um, practicing the um, effective breathing that we will go over in the workshop with you. There are specific techniques so, uh, Marvin, if you were in our workshop, we would ask you, you know, what's in what way is this a problem for you? How is how is not getting sleep a problem for me? Yeah. How well, is it a problem for you? Well, it, you wake up in the morning and you haven't slept as well or you've thought about things that you can't change at 2 a.m. It's mm -hmm. uh, unsettling and you're tired and mm -hmm. you'd rather have a better sleep pattern. Um, is it mostly that people don't exercise or they drink too much alcohol or is it more of a mindfulness game? My daughter Amber gave me a book on how to meditate um, for my birthday present, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is fairly amusing because I don't think I can keep my head clear for more than six seconds. So <laughs> I'm all ears as to how one sleeps better. Yeah. Charlie, you want to yeah. take? Yeah. You know, when we... Um, address this in our class. This is one of the exercises we start by asking people in the group, how do you deal with difficulty sleeping? Um, and we ask them for things that they have heard from other people work and things that they've tried themselves that work. And we usually get quite a long list. And it includes things like um, using blackout curtains, to stop light from coming into your room, or using earplugs if you live in a noisy environment, or um, making sure that the room is at a comfortable temperature for you, um, having a variety of um, blankets of different weights that you can go back and forth, using pillows to support different parts of your body to help, avoiding alcohol for several hours before going to sleep helps a lot, 
avoiding caffeine at least four hours before going to sleep to give your body chocolate, the chance. Chocolate, chocolate as well. Chocolate. Right. <laughs> really, so we chocolate? Chocolate. chocolate has caffeine in it. Oh, yes, right. it does. And of course, caffeine is a stimulant. And that's exactly the wrong thing you want in your system when you're trying to fall asleep. So we wind up with this very comprehensive list. And then we ask people, is there one of these that you would try for yourself? Which brings us to another one of the tools in our toolbox, which is problem solving. People have already said that sleeping is the problem. We develop a list of possible solutions, ask people to pick one, try it out during the week, and report back to us the next week, how did it go? And we're going to do another problem-solving um, activity later on in our radio show today. But that's just a little sneak preview of um, sometimes the problem-solving is built right into the teaching Sometimes it's the response to the teaching that we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Charlie, thank you. The other things is that what we would do, there is a whole section, as um, he was saying, on uh, getting a good night's sleep. That is one of the topics, and we discussed that. And um, I, I think you might have mentioned this, um, Marvin, is not getting any exercise during the day. And that is definitely one of the causes that they have found um, as well as the ones that we've mentioned, alcohol can be a problem and, and the other things. And drinking too much liquid late at night causes us to wake up and have to use the bathroom. So there's a whole list of typical, common, most common causes, which we would review, um, do a brainstorm with the group, because we always find that they have other ideas. People who participate come with experience. They have ideas. They have recommendations. Um, and so we have a whole discussion about potential causes, which lead us to identifying remedies and solutions. So what you're trying to say is that you discuss lots of different problems, but the problem-solving aspect of your workshop is probably one of the more useful things. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing that um, is really great about problem solving is it gets the rest of the group involved in helping to solve each other's problems. So it's not just like Susan and me teaching one person at a time who then tells us their problems and we help them fix it. It's a group experience where everybody is helping everybody else. And for me, you know, the content is wonderful, but the, the kind of mini community that's formed by people helping each other solve common problems is really deep. And I think it's part of what helps people come back week after week. Mm -hmm. yes. They like who they're meeting and they like the help that they're getting, not just from Susan and me and Stanford, but from their peers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think if you look at things, I mean, working in the emergency room was fairly difficult, but you had a community there you know, or at public health, that regardless of how difficult the problems are, having this community to, you know, help you was a big uh, point of how you got by. Absolutely. You know, and, and actually, it's one of the founding principles in the workshop is that uh, Charlie and I are not healthcare professionals. Um, that is not the design of the workshop. It is designed to be led by peers. And you heard me talking about my own health condition and my own struggles with pain modifying my life. Um, around that, I definitely am a peer. 
I am experiencing pain in my everyday life. And I don't know, Charlie, if you want to say a little bit in terms of being a caregiver too. Yeah, I'm not in chronic pain, but I'm a care provider to two people now in chronic pain. One I have been a care provider for for a good 15 years. He's somebody who had a botched surgery on his spine that led to chronic pain. And the other is um, a recent addition to my life, my 92-year-old mother-in-law who has recently come to live with us, and she is in chronic pain. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm having lots of opportunity in my life to apply Mm -hmm. the things that I teach in in these chronic pain workshops. Absolutely. And what we know is that our caregivers, I'm also a caregiver, but as caregivers, what's really important is we have to be able to take care of ourselves. And so all these tools, as Charlie mentioned earlier, are for every, anyone. I mean, all of us can use, can benefit from um, the tools that we have in the, in the workshop and the information that Stanford has put together uh, with their partners. So caregivers, we need to take care of ourselves. So um, participating in the workshop is, is very helpful as well for caregivers. I see that a lot in clinic, that people take on very difficult situations and, and give up their own identity and everything else trying to care for somebody else. And they really need to take time for themselves because if they don't take care for themselves, they don't, they're not that great of a caregiver either. Right. Right. You know, I wanted to just um, say a tiny bit more about being an active self-manager because that is also one of the basic premises of um, of this. And um, what does that mean, being an active self-manager versus being a passive self-manager? And, um, you know, when we have an acute condition, we, we know that with our, our medical team, we go to our medical team, <laughs> maybe the ER, maybe our primary care Um because we need direction right now, here and now, and we get direction and we follow those directions because we're in acute situation. But with chronic pain ongoing, um, after we've gotten through that, we have a treatment plan with our medical team, which we are following. Um, but after that, the everyday management of our chronic pain is up to us. We make decisions every single day. Um, you know, we get invited to go for a walk. We get invited to go on a trip or um, help out at somebody's house with something maybe physical. I don't know. But there's decisions we have to make about that um, every day um, uh, in terms of how we're going to manage getting through the day and manage our pain. And it takes, as Charlie said, planning ahead. When I get up in the morning, I have to think, okay, I need to have my exercise. This is how I'm going to be an active care manager uh, of myself is I want to make good decisions today about what I eat, about what kind of exercise, given my level of pain. And I can do that because I've been doing this workshop for a long time. I know how to do that. I know what my options are. And I know how to um, do the pacing and the planning However, Charlie knows this probably better than anybody. I'm still learning how to do the pacing and planning around my pain. But um, active self-management, be aware, educated about what our health conditions are, um, to um, be willing to try new things to manage our pain. So, for instance, love gardening. 
It's, it was such a huge, it is a huge part of my life. But can I go out there and work for two hours straight and dig and shovel? No, I can't do that anymore. So I needed to be open to looking at new ways. And that is an important part of being an active self-manager. And there's a third one, Charlie. Why am I blocking on it? Do you know? Managing the emotional ups and downs. Thank you. That everybody has in their life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They have to, we have to manage those. And that is one of the symptoms that we deal with in uh, dealing with stress, anxiety, and absolutely, uh, you know, pain. And it can, can bring on a, a whole array of difficult emotions. And we do have a whole section on that, um, where we talk about that, the ups and downs. And I think regardless of pain, regardless of whether you're not sleeping well, regardless of whether, um, you know, you have other symptoms in the symptom cycle. When we make choices as active self-managers to intervene by using a tool that works for us, what happens is this kind of chain reaction. And we talk about this more at length in the workshop, is that if I'm having trouble sleeping, uh, but I address my physical activity, I use a physical activity to help that, it may also reduce my anxiety. It may also reduce um, my, uh, improve my ability to be more active, be more social. There's kind of a ripple effect. And so a number of different symptoms in that symptom cycle can be positively uh, affected by just using one of the tools in the toolbox and being an active self-manager to do that. Yeah, Marvin. I think it was interesting um I read an article once that they took 200 women with uh, depression and they split them into two groups. And one group was given antidepressants, you know, your Lexapro or Paxil or whatever. And the other 100 were told they had to exercise 30 minutes a day. And they didn't specify if that was bicycling or walking or whatever. And at the end of three months, uh, they had similar uh, improvements in their depression. In fact, the exercise group did a little bit better. And I think that in today's society of, you know, I'm guilty of this also, you get hooked on these television series, etc. And the comfort of your car and, you know, there's not, there's not uh, motorized wheelchairs for us all to go around the grocery store yet. But uh, we become such an inactive uh, society that uh, exercise, I'm going to the gym today, whether I like it or not. No, I, I really do like it. Um, it. It is something that uh, I'm shocked at how many people um, don't do anything physically to speak of. Now, maybe I'm just a little too ADD not to, but still, I think exercise is a huge thing for people's sense of well-being, etc. Am I making rash you know thoughts about this or you know not at all marfin um exercise is so important that it's how to do it safely Safely. is one of the tools safely in our toolbox and we even teach people in an exercise routine that they can do um we call it the moving easy program there's a lot of it that's done seated in a chair. Really? Or standing up, holding on to a chair. Um, it's simple, very safe, effective ways of exercising. And 
um, moving your body um, so that you practice some flexibility as well as some strength building and a little bit of cardio. So you get the sort of three main kinds of exercise, right? Cardio, flexibility, and strengthening built into this very easy, easy to do from anywhere. You could do it in your chair exercise program. Wow. Great. Yeah, I have found that tremendously valuable for me because I wake up sometimes in the morning with pain. And because I have the good fortune of being able to lead this workshop, I'm very familiar with the Moving Easy program. And I just start my day with, it takes about five minutes. I do all the upper body movement, deep breathing with it. And I feel my headache and my neck pain. And so I'm just kind of lifting. And I have found it so valuable that now, again, I've incorporated that. So we love going over that. We'll go through that with the, the, with the participants. Um, in the workshop and we always stress we we approach it we do it three times we approach it uh, with caution we remind people if they've been directed by their medical team to not do any of these activities don't do them because all of us come to the workshop with different um, issues and um, challenges and so we don't assume that everybody can just do this we demonstrate it at uh, two different levels uh, easy and then a little bit more active so people can choose and um, so it is it is a wonderful piece of the workshop um, I'm going to say something else about the tools in the toolbox um, not everybody finds every tool equally useful for example when we started teaching this and we teach a tool called pacing and planning which is exactly what it sounds like how to pace yourself and plan your day um, I didn't need that. I was young. I could do anything I wanted for as long as I wanted. I had an easy time getting through a day. Well, it's I'm now 72, and I can't do that anymore. I simply cannot do everything I want to do all at once. So I have found that this tool that I used to teach about has suddenly become useful in my life. And I think other people in the, in the group find that as well. There's a lot of tools. They're not always all useful for everybody all of the time, but they become useful as our situation changes. So Eddie's going to start uh, telling us when we can um, start taking phone calls. That's right. Or, if, if anyone has a question for, for Susan or Charlie, uh, feel free to call in 707-895-2448 is the number, 707 895 2448 if you'd like to come on air and ask Charlie or Susan a question. I want to hear also about music. When things are bad, can't you just play the piano, Charlie, and everything's well and wonderful again and the sun is shining and you know your heart rate goes down and you're, you know, in some yes. sort of bliss state? In, in a word, yes, but it's it's not quite that simple. Um I I do play piano. I, you know, I'm a musician. That was my first love. And um, the, the health arena was my second love. And I actually do both of them. Um, I use um, sitting down and playing at the piano as a way to emotionally regulate. If I am pissed at somebody or I'm anxious or frustrated and I don't want to aim my anger at them, Maybe it's just the situation in the world. There's nobody to be angry at. It's just the state of the world. I can sit down at the piano and play angrily. And I, I wind up expressing the anger. 
And as I do this, I find my anger dissipates and I keep changing what I'm playing until I'm playing calm and serene. And I have used music to one, express the difficult feeling and modulate it into something that is uh, I'm happier with. Do you start out with Vogner or what do you what do, what do you? Uh, no, I'm improvising. OK. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, what a wonderful skill to have. Well, and, and music, music is one of the things that um, our participants in the workshop say is one of the tools that really helps them deal with difficult emotions, um, deal with a number of the symptoms, uh, anxiety. Um, music can be very relaxing. And so that is something we've heard a lot from our participants, that it is very soothing and helpful as a tool. You know, do we have any callers? Because if not, I want to. I would love to get back to that whole. Yeah, you want? Yes, we do. No, go ahead. Okay. Um, you know, Marvin, you were talking about inactivity uh, in our just in our culture and in our world right now. Not only because of uh, COVID and some anxiety about just going out and maybe being able to go to the health club, which definitely is a possibility if we're careful. But inactivity, I think, is a huge part of what we, you know, we're hearing people, a lot of people are isolated, they're at home, um, they don't have transportation, um, they're worried um, about being out in the world, and also, you know, have jobs, everybody's busy, they have jobs where they're either on the computer all the time now, um, doing their work from home, um, and it becomes even more important to find ways to integrate. And it becomes more important if you do have pain. If you have pain, sitting um, is not a good thing for us. Being inactive, what the research, this is not my personal opinion. I want to clarify this. This is based on the research and what Stanford and the, and the team has said is that um, although it's scary, and we've heard that from a lot of our participants I'm worried that if I do uh, any exercise, it's going to increase my pain. How do I deal with that? Well, that is uh, actually, that's really common. That is really common because what we have found is that n a number of our, uh, the people we've spoken with and worked with have actually done that. They've jumped into a program um, before consulting their medical team before getting uh, that kind of dialogue with a professional who can really help them set up an exercise program. You know, from our workshop, you'll get the Moving Easy program. The book is filled with exercises that people can choose from. But it is clear, and the research is clear, that if you do some form of flexibility, hopefully um, strengthening, and uh, a little bit of aerobic, which can even be done in your chair, that it will reduce your pain and if you're smart about it, you get that medical consultation and assistance. Um, you try things out. You observe. You make notes. You, you check to see if you're overdoing it. If you are, you pull back. You don't stop. So, you know, we go over this quite a bit in the workshop. Uh, and I think it is a huge issue right now. And physical therapy. You know, I can't tell you how many people have gone to see a physical therapist five or six times and comes come back and their shoulder pain or their arm pain or their sciatica is so much better with exercises they've been given, et cetera. Absolutely. I also saw an interesting article that said if you smoke, you have more pain. That if you quit smoking, you have 20, 20 or 
uh, less pain. And I wonder if there's some, just like chocolates and sleeping. But smoking apparently um, is difficult for pain as well. I wonder if that has to do with reduced circulation. Yeah, because you do get vasoconstriction right? Right. or mm-hmm. peripheral vascular disease. Right. Gosh, Charlie, that's pathophysiology here on the radio. Very good. That's right. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here, <laughs> both of you. <laughs> yeah, that isn't directly um, addressed, um, smoking. It, it um, Using um, alcohol is absolutely, um, but that's really interesting. If you have an article, Marvin, it would be, I would love to read that. If you could share it with us, that would be great. I'd like to know more about that. Well, it's interesting that, you know, um, my daughter Amber has her PhD in psychology, and she says every therapist in the country is, you know, wacko over everybody that they see is depressed and feels mm-hmm. constrained and can't go out or working too much on their computer or, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, and um, um, I think, and I just lost my train of thought there, but... Um, <laughs> Well, depression is very pervasive, I think, right now. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm married to a oh, yeah. therapist, so I hear about no specifics, <laughs> just gen- in general. Yeah. yeah. And, and I do think that uh, Fry Wine has had a doubling of their sales of wine uh, in the last three years or something like that. And I think the, the alcohol and the television must be a very difficult thing to break also because it's <laughs> sort of your escape somehow from the rest of the day. Any tips on breaking that? I mean, I've, I'll admit to the public that I now read Calvin and Hobbes with the last thing I do before I go to sleep. Uh, Good for you. Because, idea. you know, not some terrible thriller that has me anxious. I read four or five pages of Calvin and Hobbes and things seem better and I can go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, um, I think as a society, we push easy solutions to people, right? I don't feel well, so I'm going to watch TV. Or I'll take a pill. I don't feel well, I'm going to drink. I don't feel well, I'll smoke some pot. They're shortcuts. They work in the short term, but after the short term wears off, we still have the same problem that we had, and now maybe we also don't feel so good because we just drank or smoked pot or watched too much TV. One of the things about being an active case manager is that you're taking this situation in hand and asking yourself, how can I do my life differently? And it takes more work because you're not passively sitting in front of the TV. You are actively thinking about, is there a change I could make in my diet that would make me feel better? Is there a change in the way I exercise or the way I sleep, or the way I communicate with people that could make my life easier. It doesn't mean you don't you have to stop drinking, but maybe you don't use it to deal with your boredom or your depression. Mm-hmm. You use a tool in the toolbox to deal with the boredom or the depression or the anxiety or whatever the difficult emotions are. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to bring up a difficult subject, diet. Okay. Diet. diet. So let's hear your views or what everybody has said about diet. So, Yeah. Um, well, we have a lot of people, don't we, Charlie, in the, come to the workshop saying, you know, we focus on goals and each individual person 
And every week, we all set goals, including Charlie and I. It is one of the tools in the toolbox. It's called action planning. And um, we set goals. It can be around anything we've covered in the workshop or anything we want. But many, many times, people have an overarching goal of losing weight. I'd like to lose weight. Um, and healthier eating is a huge part of that. Um, getting the exercise. I mean, you look at the toolbox. It's There's a number of ways to approach it. But this is a very common concern of the, the um, participants that we have in the workshop. And, you know, each person has to... We're going to go over all the tools. Stanford has done this work. There are many ways that we can address that. And usually, um, in terms of weight, um, it has to be addressed um, in, with more than one avenue. Um, um, and so, this is something uh, we don't, you know, we don't at all uh, promote any particular diet. People come, people come. Um, to the workshop and say, oh, I went on the Atkins or I went on this. Or, and we say, you know what? That's really great. We're happy that worked for you. We're not going to promote any particular program. You have providers to talk to about it, and you can try things that we're recommending um, that are tools in the toolbox. Healthier eating, um, we have, um, I think there are like nine tips. It is a whole section. We talk about it in at least three of the workshop se se uh, sessions. And setting the goals is what's imp important. They're measurable, achievable goals. A goal that I can accomplish in one week before I come back and talk with my group again. So what would that be? Uh, healthy eating. My overarching goal is to lose 10 pounds, let's say. So this week, what can I do to address that? What is something that's achievable that I can be confident that I'll be able to accomplish? Um, and then we have the whole array of, um, of um, tools to choose from. And um, we work with people to find something that is so reasonable for them, achievable. It could be, I just want to check in with the health club and find out how much membership costs and that could be their goal for the week because that is easily accomplished we want people to succeed with their goals so that their self-confidence is increased they come back the next week ready to look at some other options for how to be an active self-manager and manage their pain um but um charlie put up the plate method um thank you for doing that charlie do you want to talk a little bit about that because that is directly related to healthier eating did you say the no. plate method? Plate. Plate method. Plate. So imagine a, a nine-inch dinner plate. Okay. Nine inches. No. Nine inch dinner not plate. 12, not 11. Right. So medium-sized dinner plate. And just think you're going to draw a line right down the middle of the plate. So you have two halves. On one half of the plate are fruits and vegetables. On the other half of the plate are proteins and carbohydrates. Okay? Now you're going to draw... Now you. The idea in the plate method is you eat more vegetables than fruit, you eat more carbohydrates than protein. Mm -hmm. Particularly whole grains. And whole grains, especially. We don't tell people how much, but we just say eat more vegetables than fruit, eat more carbohydrates than protein. It's a good basic um, diet plan for most people, unless they've been told to do something different by their medical provider. A diabetic may not want to have as many carbohydrates as somebody else. 
But, you know, with just as a basic plan, this is a good diet outline for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to piggyback on something that Susan said, where she said, you know, when we set action plans, we try to make them realistic for us. Often, this happens every time that we teach, that somebody says, so, you know, for example, I want to, their overriding goal is I want to lose 10 pounds. So they say, I'm going to um, cut my diet by 500 calories a day every single day. Now, that's a whole lot of calories to remove from your diet in one day, especially every day. And when we hear people make what to us sound like unrealistic, undoable goals, we caution them. We say things like, well, you know, that's a great idea, but I think you'll find that that's, you'll be hungry all the time and you're going to start noshing and you're going to sabotage yourself. Why don't you make it 100 calories a day and don't do it every day? Maybe, why don't you start with just two days a week? Because we want people to have the experience of success. People can usually cut, you know what 100 calories a day is? That's one slice of bread. Mm-hmm. You know, when you say it is one slice of bread, people can visualize what reducing 100 calories means. And when you say just do it two days a week, people can get, okay, well, you know, maybe maybe Monday and Thursday. That's a lot more doable for everybody, especially when you're beginning to a change in a routine than something you do every single day of the week. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get comfortable with 100 calories a day twice a week, you could jump to 100 calories three days a week and then tell us how that went. And then maybe you go to four days a week. Mm-hmm. So, you build on your successes and you don't choose um, unrealistic goals for yourself. And Susan and I, we've gotten very good at tactfully saying to people, I think you might have a hard time with that. Let's, let's dial it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's what all the dietitians say. Everybody comes in, I want to lose 100 pounds in the next three months. Right. And it's the people that consistently lose two or three pounds a month for a whole year that are the ones that are successful. But everybody wants it now. How do you deal with, you know, all these problems? Everybody wants it now. It's an interesting psychological. Mm, Well, I think that's part of our culture. Um, uh, Quick remedies. Everybody's looking for that magic bullet. Um, And, you know, we do talk about that in the workshop is that, You know, when we're talking about chronic pain, for a lot of us, this is something we're going to be dealing with in the long haul. Um, This is not something, we're not promoting these tools to cure you of your pain. This is going to be a long-term, we can definitely relieve, we think the tools can relieve it, we can help you manage it, we can blah, 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 all the things that we talked about early on. Um, But, yeah, I mean, for weight, I think um, baby steps is what we emphasize. We actually really recognize, we clap, we go, yay! At the uh, beginning of every workshop, we all check in on how we we did on our goal. Um, You know, I lost one pound this week. That is so fantastic. What that is doing is it's people are not alone. 
we're in this together. This is going to be a project that um, is going to take a while. It's a goal, overarching goal. And um, success is there, but it's one week at a time. You didn't gain the 100 pounds overnight. Uh, you're not likely to lose it overnight. Um, so we'll do it together. We're here to support you. Um, but the way to do it is step by step. And we have found, and there's a lot of research on this, I'm sure you know, Marvin, um, and they talk about this in our curriculum in the book as well. Positive thinking is huge. Having self-confidence is huge. And that's why we want goals to be realistic and um, and that we actually, um, you know, we ask people to say, how confident are you exactly? And we have a little measurement tool, which I'm not going to go into right now, but they have to be at least at a certain level of confidence for us to say, all right, then great. You have your goal for this week. And together we work on that and, and share amongst each other and give each other some encouragement. But that accountability and people is wonderful. And people have said action planning is the one of the best tools in the workshop. Because when I come back the next week and I can say, well, I partially accomplished some of my goal. Uh, I made some progress on it or I accomplished it. Uh, or if they say, you know what, I just didn't make it. Well, then we're there. We're going to problem solve together and they're not alone. And I think, you know, people say that action planning, the group problem solving, these are primary tools in the toolbox. There's format that uh, is there for us. People have carried on after our workshop and are still, We, I'll see somebody in the grocery store and I'll go, how are you doing? You know, and they'll say, well, my goal this week is to blah, 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 because it becomes part of this long-term plan to how to be a better active self-manager, whether it's our weight, our pain, our anxiety, our difficult emotions. So that's what I would say to that. It often is. Um, people want it right away, but you try to start doing exercise or eating differently. It takes months to do that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think that's why Susan emphasized baby steps. Mm -hmm. You make a tiny little change. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to sustain it over the long term than if you try to make a giant change in any routine in your life. I want you, well, all, to, I want you all to announce your workshop again so people understand when oh, it is, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. So the workshop is on uh, six weeks, and it starts on February 2nd. It's so Wednesday. it's every Wednesday uh, from 1 to 3.30 on Zoom. We already have about four people signed up, and we, have a, we would have maybe five or six spaces left for this particular workshop. Um, so give us a call. Uh, you can call Charlie at 472 seven six four oh or you can call susan that's me at six seven one five nine three nine to um sign up we'd like to do a little um questionnaire we like to talk with you a little bit before the workshop um and um answer any questions you might have and also talk about um how you might be uh, easy easiest for you to access the the book that goes along with it. So, um, yeah. So quickly, quickly give the phone numbers again. Quickly give. Oh, sure, 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 sure. 
Charlie is, and they're both 707, area code, 472-7640. And Susan is 671-5939. Okay. And I just wanted to add that the class is on Zoom, which yes. means we have to have your email address so we oh, yeah. can send you the Zoom invitation. And that's part of why we want to talk to you so you can tell us your email address so you get the invitation to the class. Thank you, Charlie. That's You're critical. Welcome. We must have that. And we want your phone number as well so that we can call you uh, call you back. Phone so, number so give me an idea of the people that you're looking for. Are these all 85-year-olds with osteoporosis and neck pain when they wake up in the morning? We've had people, we've had teenagers. Really? We've had mother-daughter. We've had person in pain with their caregiver. We've had very elderly people who were months from dying themselves. Mm -hmm. um, um, you know, the requirement is you're in chronic pain yourself or you're caring for somebody in chronic pain, a loved one, a patient. Right. Okay, we have a phone call. Great. Caller, you're on the air. Hi, thanks for taking my call. So I wanted to ask, how do those of us out in the community who have no computer access, can we join your Zoom meetings um, by telephone? Yes, you can. We had one person join by telephone. Um, it's a little bit more challenging, but you know, when you get a Zoom in by um, on your phone, we can text it to you. Um, there'll be a phone number that you call, a specific phone number, and you can call in. And we've done that before, and it does work. Um, and if you if you can't get to a place with a computer, um, that's definitely acceptable. And also, some of us who don't have computer access, it's an issue of connectivity and do not have um, mm -hmm. the ability to text or anything like that. Usually, some of us, anyways, just have landlines. So, um, uh, is there can can that landline act as a point of connection with you with Susan and Charlie yeah, absolutely. As, as as an original you know as the primary way to start the process absolutely great you yes we can have you on the phone and we will work together to make that happen um, and we can mail things which we often do hard copy through the mail also you know the what you're talking about you know I think this is a good um, um, class for any problem solving ability. I don't know. You keep bringing up the pain situation. I'm sure that's what the class is for, but it's, um, interesting that you can use this for any problems that you have, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can. We, and we hear that from people all the time. And, you know, the other, as I mentioned, the original workshop is healthier living with, healthier living with, um, chronic health conditions. And so that's broader and has a little bit different curriculum. And we will also be offering that workshop um, maybe in the springtime. I see. So this one is specifically for pain, but you have for chronic health conditions is a different workshop. Exactly. It's broader. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. So we have a, just a minute left or so. Is there something you'd like to, uh, you know, when is Charlie playing the piano again or something you'd like to leave us with? Just we welcome you to join us. Call us if you have any questions about the workshop. We Charlie and I love doing this um, and all the wonderful people that we get to meet uh, through this opportunity. So please well, thank do. you all for doing it. I think the, your longevity has helped a whole lot with this program. Thank you very much, Eddie, for doing the show. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Woolitz and Ukiah, 91.5 FM. And Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening.